sing number 557. 557. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Old Baptist Weekly. Thank you for coming. We're so glad you came. Uh, we're privileged tonight to have Elder Mike Ivy with us. How are you doing, Brother Mike? Doing well. Thank you. How are you all doing? It's Wednesday night. We're doing all right. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see all of y'all. It's good to see you, Brother Mike. Um, remind us again where you're serving at. I'm the pastor of Unity Primitive Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi, which is right down on the coast um, in South Mississippi. And uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful uh, congregation of loving folks. And um, their attitude toward visitors is it's more people to love. We would, we would certainly love to visit one of these days. And, uh, and our, you know, our prayers are with you all down come there. Come down. We're working on an annual meeting now. We um, weren't able to 
schedule one during the pandemic, and we're working on um, getting a date set uh, mm. for an annual meeting, and we'll be publishing that. Um, we're going to invite a guest minister, but we're also going to um, extend an open invitation um, to any, any ministers that feel burdened to come and preach for us. Well, we we would we would certainly I know we would all certainly love to come visit one of these days, brother. And y'all are certainly in our prayers, and uh, and we're praying for you right now, brother Mike. Uh, the Lord would uh, put something on your heart and give us the ears to hear it. And uh, with that, if you'll please bow in prayer, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to meet and to worship you, Lord. We thank you for this brother that's come before us, Lord. We ask that you bless his heart and give him the liberty to speak those things of you unto us, Lord. We ask that you uh, continue to be with uh, all of our churches that are serving you. I ask you that, that you please continue to be with our world and all these favors and blessings, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And with that, Brother Mike, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, this evening, uh, with uh, the help of God, if it be his will, I, I would like to um, address a subject rather than um, simply go to a verse and, and try to expound a verse. And um, in uh, I, what I would like for us to consider um, is the Bible perspective of citizenship. In other words, um, it, how does scripture treat um, citizenship? Um, this is a subject that I've had on my, my mind for quite some time. It's been percolating around, and, and uh, hopefully um, a few cogent thoughts have, have uh, been formed, and I'd like to share those this evening. If you would, please turn with me to um, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Philippians 3, 17. We're going to begin there. Paul states, brethren... Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk also as ye have us for an example. Now, I want you to notice that Paul um, is setting himself up an example, but he's not excluding others that um, are walking in a way that is consistent with him. And he's going to talk about that walk in a moment. And then he, he adds this parenthetical phrase. For ye have, uh, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And I want us to, to remember that phrase, who mind earthly things. The other thing to get out of that description is that they glory in things that are shameful, glory in their shame. In other words, from God's perspective, um, the things that they uh, revel in are things that are shameful. Um, and um, uh, the mindset of that um, is uh, that they are mindful of earthly things. Their, their focus is on earthly things. He closes the parentheses there, and then he says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And so um, Paul 
establishes a contrast. There are those um, who mind earthly things and who um, revel in things that are uh, morally shameful. Um, and he uh, and he juxtaposes against that. He contrasts um, to that um, citizenship uh, in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. The word conversation there uh, is uh, from the Greek word uh, politis, where we get um, the uh, English word citizen. And so he's talking about citizenship for our conversation. Our citizenship is in heaven, and then um, he give a, gives us the focus of that citizenship. In other words, if um, you're talking about being um, an American citizen and things that divine, define being an American citizen, uh, we might look at the, the um, Liberty Bell, we might look at the Constitution, we might look at the Declaration of Independence, and um, all of those um, would express a concept upon which um, our citizenship um, uh, proceeds from. And here he says, um, we have citizenship in heaven, and the, the basis of that citizenship um, is Jesus Christ who is coming again. Now, notice he doesn't say simply Jesus Christ who is in heaven, but he says, um, uh, we look um, uh, for our citizenship is in heaven from um, whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the um, foundational principle of heavenly citizenship is, first of all, uh, based on the reality uh, of an accomplished Savior um, from whence uh, we look for the Savior, the one who has saved. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only are we looking for him, <clears throat> but he is coming from for us. Um, who shall, um, um, uh, we look for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned unto his um, glorious body. So um, we see now some of the, the um, basic components of heaven citizenship. It is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the savior of sinners, um, that um, he is coming again. And when he comes again, um, he will change us and change our vile bodies and, um, and conform us to his um, glorious image. Now, if you would go with me to Ephesians chapter two, and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and we'll um, consider for a moment of the transition in citizenship that takes place in the child of God. He begins in verse one and he says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. And so we see the, the contrast, the change in citizenship and the impact of the change. He says, in the past, uh, before we were born again, before we were uh, brought into the family of God and thereby became uh, uh, citizens of uh, the kingdom of God, 
that before that happened, um, we our conversation was in the world. And the orientation of our conversation um, was uh, to indulge lust of the flesh by fulfilling the desires of the flesh um, and of the mind. And as such, um, we were children of wrath. In other words, we were um, we were um, uh, typical um, of um, those for whom the Lord has only wrath. <clears throat> but we were quickened. And he says, but God, who is rich in mercy uh, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by grace are you saved. And so we find out another aspect of uh, a purely carnal citizenship and a purely carnal citizenship um, is uh, is one of uh, impotency, being dead in trespasses and sin um, means uh, having no desire or ability um, to um, improve one's citizenship um, in a way that is pleasing to God. And that's what we wanna talk about this evening is how to um, address um, the tension that exists between the reality that we are um, children of God and citizens of heaven, and at the same time, um, we're still here upon the earth and um, have citizenship uh, identity and responsibilities and, and even obligations um, in relation to that. And that's, that's what we want to take a look at. So if you would, um, let's turn next to um, Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> and here in Ephesians chapter 4, um, we, are, uh, we learn that our um, citizenship in heaven, um, while it's available to us, um, all of the advantages of it and the power of that citizenship um, uh, must be learned. Uh, in other words, we have to learn um, how, in what circumstance um, we are to use our citizenship in heaven um, in a particular way. And so he says um, in verse um, chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye putting off uh, concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he tells us some of the things to put away. He says, "Wherefore put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor." Now I, I want to stop right here, and. And um, I'm going to, to, to use a, a phrase that Elder Hewlin Bass um, used. I, I want to try to thread a needle here. When we talk about um, lying, um, very often um, we're talking about intentional deceit. But lying is presenting anything as if it is true that you do not know is true. When we, when we present what is our opinion as if it is fact, um, in fact, we are being deceitful because we are trying to convince someone of a fact that, um, that we don't know um, to be a fact. And so when, when uh, Paul here is saying, um, uh, wherefore putting away lying, 
speak every man truth with his neighbor, the focus is on truth. In other words, if you want to avoid lying, the way to avoid um, even an unintentional lie is only speak what you know to be true. You know, if that was on social media, I would dare say that at least 70% of the content of social media would be eliminated overnight if only things that people knew to be so, if that was the only thing that they put on social media. So, you know, there is an area where we can improve our citizenship in heaven by resolving, if I go on Facebook, if I go on Instagram, if I go on a blog, um, I'm not going to assert anything as being true unless I know for a fact that it is true. And if I don't know for a fact it's true, then I'm going to qualify it in some way and say, well, this is my opinion, and this is the source of my information, and you're free to make up your own mind. Of course, no one does that. So <clears throat> so putting off the old man is um, to um, narrow is to narrowly define truth and um, and um, uh, uh, use as to, uh, and state to others only those things that we know to be true. And in First Peter, um, well, let me back up a little. Yeah, in First Peter, um, he puts it this way. He says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech ye as strangers and pilgrims." Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which shall um, which they shall behold, glorify God in the um, day of visitation. And again, um, Paul uh, Peter uh, brings out the point that um, our conversation, that, that uh, one of the themes of citizenship, one of the, uh, the basic foundational principles of, of citizenship in heaven um, is honesty. So we, it begins to come out to us, doesn't it, that things like honesty and truth um, are evidences of citizenship in heaven, and that when we fulfill the um, desires of the flesh and pursue the lust of the flesh and and do that, for instance, in social media, um, uh, that we are, in fact, denying um, these basic principles. The other thing I want us to get from this is that, that Paul uh, presents a new orientation of our citizenship here on earth, or Peter does, of our citizenship here on earth um, in this text. Notice he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, you as strangers and pilgrims. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now, a stranger um, was someone who was not a citizen of the land um, in which they were abiding. And a pilgrim is someone um, who is in a land but is passing through that land. And so from that, um, we can understand that part of our citizenship in heaven Um, is to embrace the temporary nature of our citizenship here on earth, uh, both in terms of the duration of our citizenship, um, the involvement, a pilgrim and a stranger doesn't get as involved in the civic activities um, of the land in which they dwell as a citizen who lives there. And and I'm not not suggesting that we uh, uh, shirk our civic duties, 
um, but rather that we measure our commitment to our civic duties against our commitment to Christ um, and always put our commitment citizens of heaven um, as a higher priority than our citizenship uh, here on earth. And Paul says one way, to, uh, Peter says one way to do that is to think of yourself um, as a temporary um, uh, uh, passer through um, in this present um, world that we're, we're living. And so <clears throat> he tells us then to have our conversation honest among the Gentiles. I'm trying to hurry through this because I have a a lot of uh, uh, text here. The Apostle Paul elevates um, citizenship um, uh, in heaven. And um, if, if we're strangers and pilgrims here on earth, if, if, if our citizenship here on earth is temporary, if our commitment to that uh, citizenship is secondary to our commitment of, to citizenship in heaven, then, um, then what is the orientation supposed to be of our activities um, while we're here. The Apostle Paul presents that to us. He says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given um, to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, I want to pause right there for a moment. As I was studying this, I, I noticed that us, and I thought, well, you know, is Paul talking about another minister that's traveling with him, or maybe he's talking about the apostles, or maybe he's talking about um, the ministry in general. But if you go all the way back up to verse 10 in this chapter, um, he qualifies us, if I can find it. In verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it is good or bad. That pronoun we um, is consistent with us and we as he uses it all the way through the text so that when he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation, he's talking about the um, the the public ministry of every citizen of heaven um, to be honest among the Gentiles, to speak things that are true. And then he carries it a step further. And he says, um, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of recon reconciliation. Now then we... Who is the we? All who are going to stand before the judgment seat. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Okay, So we are ambassadors of God declaring the reconciliation of God um, by the manner of our living, uh, by um, the uh, uh, reason of our hope and expressing the reason of our hope that Jesus Christ is coming again, that we're ambassadors. So we're strangers and pilgrims so far as the world is concerned, um, but we're here for a specific reason, and that is to represent the interests of God um, here in the world. We're his ambassadors, if you will, 
and as his ambassadors, um, we are um, urging people, anyone who will listen, anyone who asks, uh, we are urging them to understand the reconciliation um, of God that, that occurred in Christ Jesus and how that reconciliation um, affects us and how it affects um, others. So being strangers and pilgrims doesn't mean that we're itinerant. Um, it means that we're not from here, um, that our, our home is in heaven. Now, <clears throat> I want to... Um, uh, deal with a, uh, it's it's not really a side issue, it's, it's a sort of, sort of go-to-the-heart issue. Um, and um, uh, I, I ask that you pray for me on this. Among the Ten Commandments, um, the Lord expressly commits, uh, can, uh, 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 forbids that we take his name in vain. Now, in popular culture, taking the Lord's name in vain is using an expletive in relation to his name. In other words, it's cursing, using God to curse. But I would submit to you that vain employment of God are vain representation um, of the interests of God. In other words, if I use God to represent my interests, if I'm promoting my interests and I'm using God as the basis of promoting my interests, then I'm using, um, I'm taking the name of God in vain. Let me give you an example of that. In Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul talks about Israel and he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I uh, bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They going about, um, going about seeking to establish their own righteousness have not established themselves, uh, have not, um, well, I can't even quote it, um, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> what the Jews were doing was they were using the name of God and the, the ceremonial um, uh, trappings that, um, that they associated with the name of God um, to promote their own political agenda. And the fact that it's a political agenda cannot be um, uh, denied. Um, the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus um, was an, a political act, and, um, and they went through a political procedure um, in order to um, execute that act. And in fact, they invoked the name of God because one of the things they did was they accused Jesus of blaspheming the name of God. And so <clears throat> the reason that I bring that point up is because we as Christians um, whenever we become self-righteous, our righteousness is not our own. And when we become self-righteous, in fact, what we are doing is we're using the name and the good office of God in vain. We're using God to promote ourselves. <clears throat> I want to conclude this evening by um, looking at um, successful citizenship in heaven. In and, and we're going we're gonna to find most of this in the Hebrew letter. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 8, um, the writer uh, uh, states, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange land, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs of, of the same promise, for he looked for a city 
which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so we see here that a promise was made to Abraham. Well, guess what? A promise has been made to us. The promise to Abraham um, was the promise of the first coming of Christ and the impact of the first coming of Christ, that in thee and thy seed will all nations be blessed. The promise to us, and um, it's identified in one place in Scripture as a better promise, um, a, a more sure word of prophecy based on a better promise, is the second coming of Christ. And the reason it's a more sure word of prophecy and a better promise is because Christ came the first time and he arose from the dead and he declared that he would return for us. So it's a more sure word of, prof of uh, prophecy in that respect. From that, we understand that um, Abraham's orientation, that he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose maker and builder was God, that um, that's the orientation of our discipleship. We are pilgrims and strangers, and we're looking um, forward toward that permanent abode. Now, I want to close um, with this thought. <clears throat> Well, let me, let me just um, um, close with this thought. In that same chapter in verse 32, okay, very often when we talk about uh, the Christian reaction to, um, to uh, political circumstances here in the world, um, people create a false dichotomy. A false dichotomy um, is also called a horns of dilemma fallacy, and it's an either or when neither one of them uh, truly represent all of the potential um, uh, possibilities, all of the possibilities. So that whenever we talk about um, uh, our citizenship in heaven and that our first priority is to citizenship in heaven um, and that we're to be ambassadors um, of God um, here upon the earth, that people will automatically assume that what we're saying is that you shouldn't be involved in, in uh, political affairs. I submit to you that that's not uh, what the Bible teaches at all. What the Bible does teach is that there is an orientation to our involvement in political affairs, in uh, earthly political affairs, and that that orientation is from the perspective of being an ambassador um, of God here in the world, who is a stranger and a pilgrim in a foreign land, um, whose citizenship is in heaven, um, and we present that perspective. And that perspective um, is the perspective of being a faithful citizen of heaven. And being a faithful citizen of heaven has profound impact on earthly governments. Listen to this. Listen to this. In verse 32 of Hebrews 11, he says, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of um, uh, Japheth, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of, of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, um, armies of the aliens. Do you understand that what the Hebrew writer is saying 
is all of those times when society and culture were opposing the Lord and the Lord's people were backed up against the wall, <clears throat> it was faith in God that delivered the day. David is an ideal example of that. Here we have a shepherd boy who by faith becomes the champion of a, an army and by faith becomes um, the king of Israel. He literally subdued the kingdom. We see Gideon um, and his um, war against the, uh, against the uh, Philistines and um, uh, the success there. We see Barak and, um, and Deborah and how they changed the course of, um, of civil um, order in their day. Um, we see Moses who changed the, the, uh, the order of the day in Egypt when um, God sent him to lead um, Israel out of captivity. These are all examples of people who were serving the interest of God in the society and the culture in which they lived, um, who accomplished great victories. Now, I want to close with this. <clears throat> in, the, in the Roman letter, the Apostle Paul, after he goes through the doctrines of grace and he points out the significance of the doctrines of grace is our utter victory, that in all these we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus um, who saved us. He says this concerning our life here. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. You know, the place to give wrath is to the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Um, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Remember, you're an ambassador from heaven. If you, thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he um, thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That um, phrase, heaping coals of fire on his head, um, has to do with providing um, a desperately needed service to someone um, who is in a terrible circumstance. It alludes to shepherds who were in the field, and if their fire went out, um, they uh, uh, could find themselves in great peril from animals, um, you know, from uh, uh, not being able to cook their food, etc., and so when um, someone's fire went out, they would look across the countryside and they would see the campsites of other shepherds and they would, um, by the fire, and they would go to that fire and ask for coals and they would carry a pot with them and they would put coals in that pot in a bed of ashes. They would put coals in that pot um, and set it on their head and head back um, to their own camp so that they could get their fire restarted again. Here he's saying, the way to leave, lead quietly and peaceably um, is to do good to others. And in doing good to others, you will light the fire of their goodness in their lives so that they can do good for other, toward others. I thank you for your attention this evening. God bless you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen, Brother Mike. Uh, bro Brother Joe, you got first up. You're on, you're muted, Joe. You're you're muted, brother Joe. 
Okay, thank you. Mike, it is so good to hear you. It's been too long. Um, I wish we had a whole day to sit with coffee and, and talk about just what you've preached tonight. Uh, you reminded me of something that is so timely. I, for the last 20 years of my secular career, worked for a man who grew up in Santiago, Chile, came to this country alone with literally a few dollars left in his pocket by the time he arrived. He started parking cars in downtown Los Angeles. And when I worked for him, he was an independent millionaire, a true American success story. But this man never reconciled his dual citizenship. When he was here, he wanted to be there. And when he was there, he wanted to be here. Hmm. Heart was torn. Mike, today I cannot think of any message more timely than what you preached. So many of God's people are having that same struggle with dual citizenship. When they're in the house of God, they're thinking about their other citizenship. And unfortunately, when they're in that other citizenship, they don't think about the how their their true citizenship as they should. Wow. Thank you. And thank the Lord so much for that message. Um, and, and by the way, I got teased last night by our good friend, Jerry, about Joeisms. Well, you gave me a micism that I am going to write down and treasure from here on out. Your definition of lying. Oh, boy. Love it. I'm going to keep that one. If you if you don't represent facts and know they are facts, you are, in effect, misrepresenting. So many times people today say so much and they won't reveal the source of their information. And, and here is the underlying principle to that, Joe. Jesus said, if a man lusteth um, after a woman, um, he committeth adultery in his heart. Okay. So what he's saying is you don't have to engage in the act. Um, if you have the sentiment yeah. and there is an underlying sentiment of dishonesty, when we present something as fact that we don't know in, in truth to be fact. Amen. Thank you for that. We could talk a long time, but there's some other guys want to talk to. Love it. Thank you. And thank the Lord for your message. Uh, Dave. Hey, bro brother Mike. Uh, yes. Sir. Well, yeah, yeah. Joe stole my, my thunder on dual citizenship. So uh, I was going to talk about expatriates. And my, my line is they're never happy. No matter where you are, you're never happy. So have you ever read the short story? By Everett, you know, Ed, Edward Everett Hale called The Man Without a Country. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about that. He renounced the United States and he was condemned to live the rest of his life on a ship. Right. Yeah. And he, part of the punishment was he could never hear any news about his home country. And people were not permitted to tell him any news. And he, I think 
55 years he lived on, on, on uh, from ship to ship. And finally, at the end of his life, you know, he he was dying. And someone came in and his whole room was a shrine to the United States. Mm. And begged them, just tell me about what's been going on. And, you know, they they broke down and, and, and they told him. Um, and it's interesting, Everett, uh, Edward Hale was the grandson of Nathan Hale. Right. Yeah, who's famous for, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Uh, yeah, when you and Joe spend that day together, please uh, let me be a part of that because I can enjoy that. You know, uh, a point, uh, yeah. an important point about yeah. our citizenship is yeah. that being a stranger and a pilgrim does not mean we're vagabonds. No. We're mm. not wandering aimlessly about. We're ambassadors. We've got a job. Um, you know, we have a we have an appointed position. Um, we're not citizens of this world anymore. Old things are passed away. Behold, all, all things are new. And uh, we're not citizens of this world anymore. We're citizens of heaven. But as citizens of heaven, we're functioning as representatives of God. We're his ambassadors here in the world. Right. And that's great. And, and, and to, to your point, to Joe's point, um, we are not, we do not have a dual citizenship of heaven and earth. We're only right. citizens of heaven, okay? Right. And, and thus, we, we are have responsibilities heaven. down here, but those responsibilities. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting, Webster divide, you know, the word citizen comes, it's basically one who's resident of a city. Right. Uh, so it's where we get a lot of the like the Spanish word ciudad, ciudad, which means city. So you know this is back during city states, and it, it points to the privileges you have as a resident of that city. And one of the differences uh, uh, you are a permanent resident of the city. And I like to think that we are permanent residents of, of heaven. And um, yes. We're not, when life becomes, you know, we get ourselves in trouble uh, when we think that we're citizens of earth and heaven. And mm, we, right. Uh, yeah. And we, we leave off our responsibilities as our, as the ambassadors of Christ and of heaven. Right. Jesus tells us that, that, that there is an irreconcilable dichotomy that you cannot serve two masters, it right. cannot be done. Right. So we can't yeah. um, equally be a citizen of this world and a citizen of heaven because we will prefer one or the other. And the Bible is very clear we're to prefer the citizenship of heaven. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think <clears throat> I've known people who left off their, their, their ambassadorship and they're like that man in that story. They're adrift. They have no country. You have no, if you are a child of God, and you renounce your citizenship, you have no country. You are adrift. You are lost. And you do not hear the good news from the far country. And and, and you're it's and you, mm-hmm. aimless life mm-hmm. and a terrible life. Mm-hmm. And um, you miss it, whether you know it or not. You miss it. You long for it. You know, 
I like when you you know talking about Abraham. He confessed, but that he's a stranger and a pilgrim, and by right. that he's confessing he's an ambassador of Christ or and he's a citizen of heaven. God help us not to renounce our heavenly citizenship. Right. Um, man, what is this? Uh, this this is a lot of stuff here, and. We we got we got the big talkers ahead, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to the next the next guy, which I that'd forget is that, that'd be Brother Jerry, Brother Jerry. Speaking, speaking of the devil, here he is. Brother, Brother David introduces me as a big talker. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I love you, Brother Jerry. Keep I going. love you too, brother. Uh, oh my goodness, Brother Mike, what what a wonderful uh, message, and and it's already been said how timely. Um, this is uh, <laughs> given given the, the lay of the land that we're all uh, in here and have been over for the last uh, few years, I believe. It's a it, it's seemingly a, a downward spiral in many respects. I've had a a lot of thoughts recently. Not too long ago on OBW, I I tried to talk about uh, entanglement from a, a few different perspectives. Being entangled internally, being entangled, entangled from an external medium, and then perceived entanglement. Um, and I look at being tangled up as diametrically opposed to liberty. Mm. And uh, you know, brother, brother Joe brought in dual citizenship as a topic. Brother David mentioned it as well, and and I appreciate what David you said. Our citizenship is in glory. Our, that is where our citizenship truly is. Yet we're here and, and we do have responsibilities. And I, I like to I, here lately. Anyway, I've been looking at this from the perspective of liberty. We have been we have granted liberty where the spirit is. There is liberty. We are we are given liberty. That comes from heaven that that connects with our citizenship and glory. Here we cover liberty, we pursue liberty, we'll do anything to, to feel to be at liberty. When in reality, when you really peel it back, we're just tangled up in a ball of mess because liberty is a gift from above. True liberty is a gift from above. Now, well, Mike, and I'm, I'm going to try to prove David wrong by, by not talking as long as I want to talk. Um, I want to, I want to sit in on that conversation, Joe and Mike too, please, if you will. Uh, I love that you went to Ephesians chapter four. I've been spending some time there and you answered a couple of questions for me. Thank you for that. I love your definition of lying. Mm. You talk about being entangled. Uh, <laughs> lying will, will entangle you immediately. And it will continue to tighten its grip on you. And and you tightened it right out of the gate. Uh, not just misrepresenting the truth lying. No, uh, presenting an opinion as fact when it's not, when you don't know it as being fact. Uh, I really appreciate that, Mike. That, that, that defined it a little bit further for me. So now I need to uh, revisit <clears throat> that in my own mind and <laughs> my own thoughts. Um you know, you know, the scripture, um, Paul puts that very succinctly. He says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. That's, that's right. right. 
you know, and, and somebody somebody like like me, uh, there are a few of us out there. When I say something, I, I before I say it, I'm usually convinced that it's the truth. But now it's the truth as I see it, but it's got to be based on fact. It's got to be based on true fact. And that is a step that I don't believe we take as, mm. as readily as we should. And that's the point I, I glean uh, from that. Uh, if, if Looking at Ephesians 4 real quick, and so many different places that came to mind when you, as you were going through this, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That is a tremendous qualifier you can in in speaking truth in contrast to lying so much of the time we find ourselves speaking without considering the person that we're speaking to speaking of we need to understand that as a citizen of glory we are members one of another and in the corinthian letter by paul in first corinthians 12 uh, lays it out very clearly how how dependent we are as a body uh, the body of christ one upon an, uh, another and we need to consider that as we speak one that's a great qualifier i think and then yeah. you said something when you close and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this uh you you said give wrath to god for vengeance is his. We, we have no business retaining wrath. Well, in Ephesians 4, 26 verse, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's not the end of the sentence. Neither give place to the devil. If Is it true if we do not give that wrath from within if it's true wrath, and perhaps it's being angry while sinning by putting yourself in the, the, the pinnacle of the equation, I think that's when wrath becomes sin. If we don't give it to God, are we giving place to the devil? It, it, yeah. The, the justification for wrath um, is not that you've done something to offend me. It is done something um, that is offensive to God. Right. Okay. And, and from that standpoint, uh, you know, we're not to internalize it. See, that's, that, see, when he says give, uh, give place to wrath, uh, and then talks about vengeance being the Lord. What he's saying is don't internalize wrath. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. You know, don't internalize it. Yep. Uh, mm. uh, if, if it's simply a matter of my feelings being hurt, um, then, you know, there absolutely is no justification for anger. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I know what great sinner I am. And if you say something uh, negative about me, um, I could say something a lot more negative about me because I know myself a lot better than you do. Right. Absolutely right. Wonderful message, Brother Mike. I appreciate it very, very much. Amen. Dad, go ahead. Great message. I love uh, to study that word conversation. I think uh, you think you brought this out, but let me just reiterate. 
uh, conversation, uh, the English word is translated usually from one of two Greek words. You, you brought out the one called citizenship in Philippians 3.20, and then in almost every place except for two others, it is this word, I uh, can't remember the, the how to say the word it starts with an A, <clears throat> it, which has a very basic meaning, just manner of life. Right. And uh, that, that, I think, ties in very well with what you were saying. I, I want to look at one verse that we never look at that has <clears throat> a word that is cognate to the Greek word for citizenship in Philippians 3.20. It's in Acts 23.1. Mm-hmm. And this, this surprised me, and I think it fits in very well with your message. And this is where Paul's standing before the Sanhedrin Council. He's uh, listened to all the accusations against him, and now it's his turn to speak on his defense, on his behalf. And he says this, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. The word that is translated from the sa- basically the same word or ha- shares the same root that is translated conversation in Philippians 3.20 is the English word lived. It's mm-hmm. interesting to me. My man uh, of living, one of good conscience. Yeah, and it means citizenship. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, it, it could you could really you could look at it like this. Uh, it 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 would be behaving or acting like a, a good citizen. Yes. When he says, I've lived in good conscience before God till this day, I've lived as befits a good citizen to this day. Now, before God. Mm-hmm. Before God. I think that before God is a very important addition <clears throat> because to the people who were listening to him, they probably thought he meant he, was, he lived as a good Jew. Right. As a good as a good Pharisee. But I think Paul is saying <clears throat> basically what he told the Philippians. I've lived as a good citizen of heaven uh, all this time. I, I have lived as a, as a, as a, as befits a citizen that belongs to a great city, the greatest city, which is heaven. I don't mm-hmm. know if the Jews pick that up or not, but I think we should. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I know I should. Can we say you know, that? Something, something to consider in that uh, is that Paul is not bragging there because um, mm-hmm. part of being a good citizen um, is saying I'm wrong, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And living in good conscience toward God involves repenting. And so he's not saying I lived a perfect life before God. He's saying, you know, I used everything that God provided me, um, including repentance, when I messed up. And how ironic, Brother Mike, that our beloved Apostle Paul should say in just another couple of verses, God shall smite thee, thou wadded wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you I guess he was living a good conscience, a good conscience before God, calling the high priest, God smite thee, thou wadded wall. Now, that doesn't <laughs> translate well to us today, but I can't use the language that we probably would use today to match the intensity of the anger that the Apostle Paul felt at that man. Of course, he says, I want not that he was the high priest. I wouldn't have said it if I didn't. Yeah, he apologized when he realized he, you know, that he was someone in authority. Maybe his maybe you should have thought more about his yay being yay and his nay being yay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe well, he should have taken his own advice. Is that what you're saying, Brother Mike? He should have just not said anything. Yeah. It just makes the point that in good conscience, when you screw up, you apologize. You apologize. <laughs> Very, that may be the most important lesson of all is when you mess up, mm-hmm. have the grace and the humility to, to fess up and take responsibility for your, your yeah. that hardly uh, happens nowadays. Our leaders don't do that for sure. <clears throat> I've been sitting here, um, um, realizing that there was something I intended to say and did not say, and I've got to say this before it's over, before we close down. There is a litmus test for citizenship in heaven. Here is the litmus test, okay? We're we're making the distinction, you know, does my interest lie in heavenly things or is my my primary interest in, in worldly things, okay? On the day of resurrection, when we're raised from the dead, are we going to uh, be reluctant to go with Jesus? Mm. And if we're not I, reluctant to I'm go stand, with Jesus, on a limb when we're raised from the dead, why would we be reluctant um, to be his ambassador now? No, we shouldn't. We should be looking and hasting unto the coming of the Lord. You know, Peter uses that word conversation in 2 Peter 3 when he talks about the destruction of the known universe. He says, what manner of men ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Yeah. Waiting for that, looking and hasting unto the coming of the Lord. That's how we should Now, That's to some who may be misunderstanding what we're saying. That's not living in fear. That's living in the certainty of what's going to happen. And in the anticipation of it as well, we're going to a better place. We're going to our home, our homeland, right? Brother Mike, that's where we're going. Right. One last thing, and I'll give away. <clears throat> There's a verse. I think you, 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 if you got to it, I apologize. But if you didn't, then I don't apologize. <clears throat> but it's one of my favorite verses. Is Hebrews 13, 13, 13, 14. Yeah, I, I didn't says, go there. Let us, let, us, uh, uh, let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. I noticed the, the the picture is going out from the camp. And what is a camp? Well, it's not a permanent abode. It's, but it's not also, it's not a very, it's not the best of places. It's just a temporary place. And then notice what he says next. For here we have no continuing city. Right. But we seek one to come. We're not going to a camp, are we? We're not going to have a camp out. <clears throat> We're not going to do heavenly s'mores and sing kumbaya around the heavenly fire up in heaven as we look at the, the shining pearly gates and the golden, the streets paved with gold. We're going to a city, which, as you said, hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. We're going to a real place that God has prepared for us who, who Christ came to die for. And it's going to be a place of pure bliss where we will finally know the meaning of the word satisfied. <clears throat> Until then, we should live content, right? We should learn to be content. Brother Mark, who's next? Is it me? I think it's me. I think I'm after you, Mike. I hope so. <clears throat> if uh, Brother Mike Montgomery, if, if uh, 
Our daughter Catherine is is watching right now. She perked up at Heavenly S'mores. So she's a <laughs> s'mores connoisseur. I like s'mores, by the way. I'm on record. I like s'mores. Yes, yes. But, but I think we got better uh, things in heaven than s'mores. Brother Mike Ivey thoroughly enjoyed that message. It it took my mind to uh, a couple of places, and I know we're we're close on time, but it took my mind to a couple of places that your your sermon is an indicator of just how much work we have to do. And when I say that, how much work I have to do on me. Um, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant battle. Um, but a couple of verses did come to mind and they, they, to me, they go in line. One is in the, I think the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul says, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, uh, redeeming the time uh, for the days are evil. Uh, and I thought of that because it, um, our citizenship is an indicator of how, and you, you express this plainly in your message, how we need to be in the here and the now with the expectation of what is coming. Uh, with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to walk circumspectly means to walk with in, a, in the strictest of sense, not, not losing anything or not dropping anything along the way. And I tend to, I tend to be more so along those lines of, of letting things drop along the way. But Paul says we're not supposed to do that. We need to walk in the strictest of sense, knowing our, where our citizenship is, knowing how we should be, knowing that we're ambassadors. And could I could I interject that an ambassador? Um, I mean, I did. <clears throat> I've done some traveling in my life, and I was in Europe. And whether whether I accepted it or not, I was an ambassador to the United States while I was in Europe. I, what I did reflected on the country of, of my citizenship which told me I needed to behave myself. Um, how much greater is, is our ambassadorship to where our citizenship is in heaven and how we ought to behave ourselves? I mean, Paul told Timothy he, that he wrote to him that he might know how, how, to, how he ought to behave himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, really hit home. It, uh, uh, we don't have, we don't, we don't have time. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Brother Hewlin Bass told a story uh, to me one time when he was a little boy and his mother gave him a nickel and sent him to the store for bread and milk. And she, she threatened him. <laughs> don't lose that nickel. And he said he, he gripped it in his fist and he would run about 50 yards and he would stop and he would open his hand up and make sure that nickel was still there. Then he'd close his hand. He'd run. Another, he would do that all the way to the store. And I said, I asked him one time, just me being me. I said, brother Hewlin, what would you have done if you'd open your hand and that nickel was gone? He says, I'd have never stopped running. <laughs> <laughs> so that to me is that's, that's how we ought to be with who we are by our citizen, by virtue of our citizenship, uh, am I stepping in the right place? Am I going down the right path? Am I doing the right thing? As I'm, am I saying the right thing? Most importantly, am I representing my home country 
in the right way. Paul mm -hmm. said in Philippians chapter one, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I'm present with you or absent, that ye stand fast in one mind of one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, that gospel is like that man with, uh, with no country, brother David, he needed the gospel because that tells us about our country. And he says, striving together, that's in, of one purpose and one accord together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, Brother Mike, I, I appreciate that and the spirit in which you preached it. It's, it's, it's been a wonderful lesson to me, and I thank God for it. Thank you, Brother Mike. Good to see you, Brother. Good to see you. Brother Mike, I, I, uh, I'll tell you in private, but I, I can't express to you how timely this message is for me. Brother Jerry knows how timely this message is for me. Um, and I'll just, I'm going to, I'm going to read five little verses and then I'm going to, and I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter four. I charge can the, you, can you speak up Daniel? You're a little, can I, you're am little, I a little quiet? Can you yeah, hear me? You there, there you there, all right, good. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to read four little verses and then I'm going to stop talking. Second Timothy Chapter four, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, re rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But having their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, mm -hmm. and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Um, it's, for me, it is, uh, verse 2, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I think the treatment if there's a prescription for battling things out there that are presented as true that are held as true that are not true is to further present the truth right as much as we possibly can as often as we can long suffering and doctrine um People get upset. People that have itching ears get upset with people that don't have itching ears. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a difficult conversation to have. These are, these are difficult um, when people have certain feelings about certain things that they believe. And as much as we should continue to present the gospel to them as the truth. It is incumbent on us who are holding to it as fast as we can to long suffer and to be patient and to continue to provide peaceful interaction, even when we don't get it back. You know, there, there, there's only there's only so much we can do, and if we uh, 
if our mentality from the outset is to leave the power of it in God's hands and just follow him and present the truth as best as we can in spirit, then it's not our job to figure out the outcome. It's our job to do our job. Right. We're not in charge of, of results. We're in charge of procedure. That's right. That's what it is. Okay. So I stole 80% of everything I just said from Jerry and Steve from a conversation a few nights ago. So I'll just give him credit for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, brother Mike, I, I really, I really appreciated that. I needed to hear that. So thank you. Um, our, how's, how's time? But brother Mike, I'm going to give you somewhere, brother Mike Hughes, I'm going to give you somewhere between 30 seconds and 15 minutes. Okay. So ready, set, go. (laughs) Well, that's, that's as much time as you gave your dad, you know? (laughs) No, that's as much time as he took. He didn't give me that kind of leeway. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, brother Daniel. Uh, Brother Mike, it was really a beautiful subject and timely subject for us, as everyone has said. And uh, we needed this. We needed this. The Lord knew what we needed and, and certainly uh, sent it with your uh, your message tonight. But I was uh, thinking about this dual citizenship. I've known and have worked with a lot of people who have had dual citizenships or They've been a citizen of a country and they've come over to the United States and been working here for a number of years. And their goal has been to become a, a citizen of the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when you um, watch these these folks and really it's it's their conversation, it's not just the words that they speak but it's how they conduct themselves. They cherish becoming a citizen of the United States. And and I think our citizenship in heaven should be something that we cherish as well and and look at that. And and, uh, these people have worked for many years to to learn about uh, the history of our country and about our government and all the things that they needed to do so they could go and take the test. And uh, they would diligently work at that. But then they had started becoming a citizen of the United States long before they took the oath and before that was granted by the government. And we have... uh, been granted by God to have this privilege. And I think, Brother Daniel, you you kind of touched on it a little bit there at the end. In the fourth chapter of the Ephesian letter, the Apostle Paul talks about what, in essence, becomes the, the purpose of, of preaching this gospel, preaching this truth, preaching this, this good news until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that perfect man is not going to be without sin here in this life. 
but he's going to be mature in spiritual things and how we we need to encourage one another to become stronger citizens in this uh, kingdom that the Lord has given us and to uh, take the kingdom by storm, so to speak. And what a blessing it is. And he says the reason for this, that we all come in this unity of, of this faith is that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Right. And how we are, we, we live in a time that, that uh, the storm is great of, uh, as brethren have said, you know, and you so well phrased it, brother Mike, we live in a, in a time of untruth. Mm. It's, it's just a daily thing. People just seem to live by, that untruth and they believe begin to be, believe the untruth well what a precious blessing it is for us to believe the truth amen and to have yeah. the truth mm. so thank you dear brother and thank all of you dear brethren that have commented on this tonight this was really encouraging and, and edifying and and glorifying unto god to me and i, I thank you for amen, thank you brother mine Amen. Thank you, brother. Brother Mike Ivey, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thank you. Really enjoyed. I hope it wasn't too painful. Yes. Could I read you one last verse? Please. This is this is uh, a statement about Old Testament saints that is a classic uh, perspective of discipleship. In other words, it applies to all of us. These all died in faith not having received the promises. We haven't received the promise of resurrection from the dead yet. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Mm-hmm. For they that say such things, they that declare they're pilgrims and strangers on the earth, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to return. But now they seek, they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hmm. That should be our perspective. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. That's right. <clears throat> amen and amen. Uh, brother can Mike. Can somebody tell me who's on next week? No. <laughs> Nobody can. Yeah, Nobody. I can tell you. No, you can't. Daniel Montgomery. <sighs> oh! Well, I'm glad we had a good preacher this week. I tell yeah, you what. yeah, I me, me too. Me too. That'll, that'll tide us over. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, uh, come, come back next week if you if you can. Uh, <laughs> come back next week. Um, but again, brother Mike, thank you so much for being with us. We're uh, we're we're so grateful that you're able to be with us tonight, and uh, look forward to having you back again one of these days. Indeed. Amen. Well, thank you. It's a blessing to be with you, and it was great to see all of you all again. It's good it's, to see you, brother. It's good to see you, brother. Um, and with that. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, Dad, you have closing prayer. Heavenly Father, 
we so look forward to this city which thou hast prepared for us, a city that is to come, that hath uh, foundations that will last for all eternity, a place of bliss, of happiness. And we feel, Lord, that we have been given a little bit of that taste of that place in our lives today. And we trust, Lord, that we will walk as worthy citizens of that great city that you have prepared for us that is waiting for us. Lord, we thank Thee for the price that Jesus paid for us to be citizens of that place. We thank Thee for the church, which gives us a foretaste of that of that city. It's like our own personal ambassador's house to go to and hear good news from a far country. Yeah. We thank Thee, Lord, for the gospel that's, that is as waters to a thirsty soul. We thank Thee, Lord, for the this dear brother who's taken the time who's put in the study and meditated and prayed and thou hast delivered to bring forth a wonderful message that is so needed for us in this day. Lord, we, we ask that you would bless all that hear his message and know that where it came from and give thee the praise and glory for it. May it be edifying to us all. And Lord, if not asking amiss, for all those who are suffering in places that are in need of rain, Lord, please bless us with more rain. If it be in accordance with thy will, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Amen. And with that, we'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.